Thank you, Zach, for reading our scripture. And we appreciate your presence. We've got a lot of folks away tonight. We had a huge gap this morning in terms of numbers. A lot of our people are in Jamaica, and we're glad that they are there finally, and hope and pray that they have a very profitable week, a safe week as well. And we've got some of our own on vacation, and so people are going to be coming and going the next couple of months. And so as you travel, we want you to be safe and look forward to seeing you when you return in the near future. We're going to be finishing up our lesson tonight, the ABCs of Leadership. We have been talking about leadership, and we're going to maybe look at leadership from a different perspective next week, the Lord willing. But tonight, we pick up with the letter T. We've been looking at just the alphabet, and nothing fancy, but just basic principles of leadership. And so the things that I have prepared, it might be the case that if you were presenting this lesson, you might attack it from a different venue, a different perspective. But these are just some thoughts that I have, and I want you to maybe give consideration to them. I do want to make mention very quickly that David Irvin just baptized another lady into Christ. Was it Tuesday? I think that's four people, is that right? Three, three people in the last three weeks or so. And so, as many of you know, David is working with people that have addiction problems, and he's doing a great job. And I appreciate David and his willingness to launch out into the deep and do his best to reach people, and I have no doubt he's helping a lot of people, physically, emotionally, and most importantly, spiritually. And so we appreciate David, and if you don't know about his work and what he's doing, I'd encourage you to get to know David and talk to him about that work, because it is a great, great work, and he's doing a lot of good. Tonight, as we pick up in our study, we're going to be talking about as I said a moment ago, the ABCs of leadership, and we resume our study with the letter T. The letter T stands, in my mind, for teaches. A leader, based on what the Bible says, is to be apt to teach. The word apt simply denotes aptitude. Someone who has the aptitude, the ability to teach others. And I think about people that are willing to teach publicly and privately. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul said that one of the qualifications of an elder is that he is to be mature in the faith. In other words, he's not to be a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. And so there is a need for individuals to step into the role of leadership who are competent, who have the ability to sit down with the Bible and talk to people, and not just privately, but also publicly. I'm grateful for our elders, the fact that they are willing to teach in a very public way, and I appreciate the fact that they are willing to take the lead in studying with, with those of us who belong to the church here at Olive Branch. And you think about one of the responsibilities of a leader, an elder, is to shepherd, to feed the church. That's what Paul said in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, that elders have the responsibility of feeding the flock. And so those who serve as leaders, by all means, ought to be teachers. 
And then there is the letter U. And U stands for understanding. And there's a passage of Scripture that might be somewhat obscure to many of us, but I think it's a good passage of Scripture. It is found in the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 12, verse 32. And there the Bible speaks of the men of Issachar. And the Bible says that they had an understanding of the times and that they knew what Israel ought to do. There are two things I want to share with you along these lines. First and foremost, to have an understanding of the times in which we live. I think it's important for all of us to know what's going on in the world. I, I remember many years ago, one of my teachers in college telling us that when we preach, we ought to have a newspaper in one hand and a Bible in the other. There's a lot to be said for relevance. Now, granted, the Scriptures are relevant, but there are so many things that happen in the world around us that can be brought in to modern-day application. And so to have an understanding of what's going on in the world. And you look around in our country today, and there are a lot of good things that are going on, but there are a lot of bad things. And there are problems that we face that are common to all of us. And so to simply have an understanding of what's going on in the world, to be knowledgeable about world events, national events. But then there is a second part that I want to share with you. Not only did these men have an understanding of the times, the Bible says they knew what Israel ought to do. Those who are good leaders have an understanding of exactly what the church ought to do. In other words, in the New Testament, the Bible identifies those of us who belong to the family of God as the Israel of God in Galatians 6. We are said to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And so that means that those who lead, their lives are rooted in Scripture. Do you remember Titus in Titus chapter 1, verse 9? Paul said that those who function as elders are to hold fast the faithful word as they have been taught. So they take what they have been taught and then they teach others, don't they? Well, why do they do that? Because that's what the Lord desires in the church. And so, good leaders have a keen understanding, not just of the times in which we live, but they also have some understanding and idea of what's going on in the church. It's important to know what's going on in congregations around the country. Sometimes there are things that are going on that are very good and positive and wholesome and helpful. When people are doing things biblically, when they're doing it the right way, if they have something that we could learn from or if there's something that they could share with us to help us better connect or reach the masses, then by all means we want to know about it. But then there are some, again, you think about knowing what's going on in the church. There are some who are leading the church and their leadership is questionable at best because not only do they not have an understanding of what's going on, they don't have an understanding of what the Bible teaches. 
This past week, I had a conversation with a gentleman who was telling me about a congregation in the Nashville area. And he said, this particular congregation just brought the instrument in. Now, you think about that for a minute. And here's what he said. The elders had been studying this issue and had decided to bring it in. And what they were trying to do was bring it in without a lot of problems. Well, number one, elders don't have the right to bring an, an instrument into the, into the worship service, do they? Elders, deacons, preachers, no one has the right to circumvent the teaching of God. And so we talk about leaders having an understanding of the times and then knowing what Israel ought to do. Look, when elders say that what we need to do is bring an instrument in because that will somehow bring the masses in, I want to ask this question. Does the end justify the means? The, que the question begs to be answered, and the answer is no. Never has, never will. Elders don't have that right. Leaders don't have that right. Same thing's true with some elderships across our brotherhood. They're sitting down and they are deliberating over whether or not they ought to use women in a more expanded role. Let me tell you what, that's what's going on in our brotherhood. Leaders need to know the instrument is a real issue in our brotherhood right now. The woman's role in the church, it is an issue. And I hear about elders that say they've been studying this issue, they've been praying about it, and they've come to the conclusion that now women can engage in a more expanded role in the worship. Let me tell you what, they missed it by a mile. They don't have that right. How come? Because divine authority says that the men are to function in the realm of leadership in the Lord's church. So when I hear about elders making decisions like this, what that tells me, number one, they don't have an understanding of the times, and they certainly don't have an understanding of the Word of God. It's just that simple. And so elders... Leaders have to be anchored to the truth of God. If we were to sell out truth, what do we have to offer people? Think about that. Now, I understand that there are a lot of things that we do as a congregation. We engage in benevolent activities. We're concerned about the physical, mental, emotional plight of people, and we ought to be. But look, when it's all said and done, a lot of our brethren don't understand this. You will never be able to outbell and outwhistle the denominational world. Never works. Never has, never will. Some of our brethren need to know that. They need to understand that. I have seen some of our folks, they have tried to the best of their ability to compete with denominationalism with all the bells and whistles, and guess what? look like a ragtag army. Doesn't work. Why? Because it's not God's way. So it goes back to, all right, we need to know what's going on in the brotherhood. We also need to know what's going on in the world. And we need to make sure that we are anchored to divine truth. We live in the 21st century, but Scripture is still relevant today. And I hear people talking about, well, you know what? Paul was talking about cultural things. Let me tell you, Scripture transcends culture, doesn't it? The passage that Zach read a moment ago, all Scripture, every Scripture, is inspired of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine, 
Doctrine is the teaching of Christ, isn't it? John said if we go on and abide not in the doctrine of Christ, he said we have not God. So, to those who would move to the left, I'd say you're in, you're in trouble. To those who would move to the extreme right, I would say the same thing. You're in trouble. Look, I don't want to go to the right. I don't want to go to the left. I simply want to stay with what the Bible teaches. Right down the middle. Balanced and biblical. That's what Paul was. Do you remember in Acts chapter 20, verse 27? He said, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. That is balance. Good elders, good leaders are striving to the best of their ability to maintain balance. And I would add this. Not only do they have a good understanding of what's going on in the world, the nation, not only do they have a good understanding of what's going on in the brotherhood, but they have a good understanding of people. They know people. They know how people think. They know how people operate. And so, as a result of that, they have the ability to relate, don't they? So, the ABCs of Leadership. T would stand for teaches, U would stand for understanding. V stands for vision, a visionary. In the book of Proverbs, in chapter 28 and about verse 19, Solomon said, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, that's what the King James renders that verse. The idea is, where there is no revelation, that is, where there is no light from the Word of God, the people perish. God's Word is to be a lamp under our feet, a light under our pathway, isn't it? Now, sometimes we lift that verse out of its context and we talk about being a visionary, and I don't have a problem with that. But I do think that we need to understand exactly what Solomon was talking about. And that is, he was talking about revelation. Where there is no revelation, people perish. Why is that? Because they don't understand what God would have them to do. You can go back and look at the children of Israel when they abdicated the Word of God. In Hosea chapter 4, what happened? Remember Hosea said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. He said there's no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. As a result of that, he said they're swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery. He said they break all restraint. So when revelation is not being opened in the presence of people, Problems always occur. I can tell you right now, one of the real problems in the city of Memphis, watch the news this week and see how many times they talk about somebody, somebody being abducted, killed, stolen from, victimized in some way. I can tell you what the problem is. People don't know what the Bible teaches. A lot of folks don't even care. The reason we are in the predicament that we're in in our country today is because we have said we don't need God. Not only do we not need God, we don't need His Word. And guess what? We're paying the price for that, aren't we? You remember Hosea, he said, they've sown to the wind, and what? They will reap the whirlwind. We are reaping the whirlwind. The previous generation saying no to the Word of God, they've said no to the ways of God, and we paid the price. And what's so sad is we're too ignorant to understand that. Now, I'm talking about some of these guys in Washington. They couldn't tell you 1 Corinthians from 2 Corinthians. Why? Because they don't know what the Bible teaches. 
I want to know what does the Bible say. So, what about being a visionary as a leader? Let me just ask you to think about it from this vantage point. We talk about the church and the direction of the church. Did you know that God was a visionary? Did you know that God was a planner? You say, now, how in the world was God a visionary? How was He a planner? Well, did He not plan for the Christ to come into the world? Do you remember what John wrote in Revelation chapter 13? Speaking of Jesus, the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. What about the church? The Bible tells us that the church, Ephesians 3, 9 through 11, exists according to the eternal will of God. So when all those prophets of old were writing and speaking and talking about the coming of the Messiah, what were they doing? They were saying, there is a Messiah, there is a Savior on the way. God's plan of redemption was unfolding bit by bit, piece by piece. You can go back and look at some of the great prophets. Go back and read the book of Deuteronomy where Moses talked about God raising up a prophet like unto him. Read Genesis chapter 3, 15, the announcement of the promised seed. Read Genesis chapter 12, the calling forth of Abraham, the man in whom all nations would be blessed. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Read Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where Isaiah talks about the virgin birth. You tell me that's not planning and foresight? That God was not a visionary? He sure was. So how does that relate to us? Well, let's think about what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18. All authority, all power has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. He said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then he said, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Ultimately, the mission of the church is what? The Great Commission, isn't it? Now, there are some other things that we are asked to do. We are to be benevolent. We're to reach out to those who are in need. James talks about that in James chapter 1, verse 27. To visit, to aid the fatherless and widows. Paul said, as we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. So there are matters of expediency, aren't there? Leaders, their authority is in the realm of expediency. What they have to do is sit down and decide, okay, God has said go. So how are we going to go? What's, what's the means? What, what are the methods? How are we going to minister to this neighborhood, to this community, to this state, to the nation at large? An awesome responsibility, isn't it? So you think about God in heaven. God's saying, look, I want you to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. In order to accomplish that, though, we have to have leaders that have the foresight, that have the vision to say, okay, here's how we're going to do it. Put that plan into action. And there are a number of ways that can be done. So, being a visionary. I had a friend that has since deceased, and he was an elder in the church. He had been a very successful salesperson in the insurance industry. Matter of fact, when he retired from 
the Marine Corps, he became a life insurance salesman. And he set up an office up in Millington. And you had to know this guy. He, he was the kind of guy, and I'm not, I'm not, he could sell bulldozers door to door. He was that good. And so here he is on the base at Millington, and he's selling life insurance for MetLife. The president of the company called and said, I want to meet this guy. He is the number one salesman in the nation. He was a go-getter. And I remember a friend of mine telling me about this mutual friend. He said he was always thinking in the future. He was always out in front, leading. He had foresight. And so, that's what we're talking about. We have the responsibility to get the message out. So how we do that requires time, effort, planning, vision, however you want to say it. So to simply be a visionary. And then the letter W. The letter W stands for wise. Leaders ought to be wise men, shouldn't they? Now. The lesson that we're talking about could be applicable to a lot of different realms in life. You could make application in your home life, corporate world, whatever. But think about the importance of wisdom. Do you remember what James said in James chapter 1? If any man lacks wisdom, what's he supposed to do? Let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraids not. So, in light of that, listen to what Solomon wrote. Look, if you would, at Proverbs chapter 8. In Proverbs chapter 8, Solomon had this to say about wisdom. And in the book of Proverbs, emphasis is given to wise living, making wise choices, prudent choices in life. Sometimes folks make foolish choices because they don't listen to what God has to say. So, verse 12, Our wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, princesses rule and nobles. Note if you would. People in positions of authority exercise what? If they're going to be effective, they exercise wisdom, don't they? Wisdom well, let me back up. Knowledge is the assimilation of information, facts, data. We go to school and we become knowledgeable. Wisdom is knowing how to use the information that we possess. There are a lot of folks that are what we would call educated fools, aren't they? They have a lot of knowledge up here, but they have no wisdom. Paul would write in Romans chapter 1, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, didn't they? So, there is such a thing as an educated fool. Verse 17, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth. 
that I may fill their treasuries. Now, in verse 22, he continues to expand on this concept of wisdom. Listen to him. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primeval dust of the world, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. Now therefore listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul, and those who hate me love death. And so wisdom. I'm grateful for the wisdom that exists in this congregation. There's a lot to be said for the experiences of life, isn't there? Now, there are a lot of people that have book knowledge, but there are certain things that the only way you can really learn them is to go to what we call the school of hard knocks, isn't it? You get banged around here, banged around there. Before you know it, something resonates, and you get it. So you learn, you become wise as you grow older in life. And hopefully and prayerfully, we use the wisdom that God has endowed us, us with in a positive way. X, the letter X. Now, this is the best I could come up with on the letter X. And so if you're a school teacher, I'm in trouble. But I have X, not for X-rated, but for excited. Leaders in the church ought to be excited, shouldn't they? Excited about the work. Excited about what's before them. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 14, Paul said, I'm a debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise, to the unwise. He said, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome. You know what he was saying? He was saying, look, I can't wait to get there. I'm excited. And so, it's hard to rise above your leadership, isn't it? So if the leadership is pumped up and excited about the work of God, worship, if they're excited about being here, then what does that say to the membership? It becomes contagious, doesn't it? Now, I understand Paul talked about zeal without knowledge. There are some folks, they have a lot of zeal, but they don't have knowledge. We need both. We need zeal and knowledge, don't we? So we need to be excited about the work. I'm grateful for those who went to Jamaica. I can't imagine sitting in an airport for 15 hours. I remember one time I was in Chicago trying to fly out, and we had a storm delay, and I waited and waited and waited, and when I finally got on that plane, I was so glad to get home. But 
It would take a lot of patience to sit in an airport for 15 hours, wouldn't it? Not sure I've got that kind of patience. But I can assure you, when some of these people get back from that trip, you know what? They're going to be excited. Excited about where they've been, what they've done. Matter of fact, I got a text just a little earlier this afternoon from a vet sharing some good news about what they're doing. So there's a sense of excitement. Excitement, as I said, can be contagious. And then the letter Y for yielding. Look at James chapter 3 very quickly. James is the New Testament counterpart to the book of Proverbs. A lot of wisdom in the, in the book of James, just like there's a lot of wisdom in the book of Proverbs. But in James chapter 3, Listen to what James said in verse 17. Wisdom that is from above, and we just talked about wisdom, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, willing to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. When I think about yielding, I think about the fact that it can't always be about me. It can't always be about my way. And I think that most people who are in leadership positions, they understand that. That's why there is an eldership. And so when there is a consensus among the elders that we're going to do this or do that, then the majority rules, doesn't it? That's how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to operate. Sometimes, though, you'll have somebody who wants to have it his way. I remember years ago hearing about a gospel preacher, Gus Nichols. And he was for a building program. He was preaching in Jasper, Alabama. And he was pushing hard for a building program. The other elders, they didn't want to do it. And so he finally got up one day and he said, Look, I'm going to make one more pitch. Every man can have his say, but not everyone can have their way. I think that's right. So to be yielding. And then finally, the letter Z is for zealous. We talked about excitement, zeal. In Titus chapter 2, verse 14, Paul said that those of us who are Christians, we ought to be zealous for good works. I mentioned the friend of mine that was a successful life insurance salesman. I can't tell you how many times I would ask him if he were ready to do something. Here's what he would always say, sitting on go. Sitting on go. And so that's the way... As Christians, we ought to be sitting on go, ready to do what we can, when we can, where we can. Look at the book of Titus. Be ready unto every good work. In order to carry out the work of the church, we need zeal, don't we? And so we need leaders who have zeal and knowledge. The two go hand in hand. So that, in a nutshell, is the ABCs of leadership. Now we'll look at some other passages in the coming weeks, the Lord willing. But those were simply some thoughts that I wanted to share with you. Our time is gone. It might be that you're here tonight and you're not a New Testament Christian. And we haven't told you what the Bible says to do to become a child of God, but here it is. First, you have to have faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10, 17. It is impossible to be well-pleasing to God without faith, according to Hebrews chapter 11. So we have to have faith. And then we have to be willing to repent, that is, to give up a life of sin, to turn from it, 
Confess the name of Jesus, just like the eunuch did in Acts 8, verse 37, and then be baptized into Christ so that all of our sins can be washed away. Acts 22, 16. When we do that, here's what God does. He puts us in the church, which is the community of the saved, Ephesians 5, 23. If we are faithful until death, the promise is a crown of life, Revelation 2, 10. It might be that you're here tonight, you're, you're a Christian. For whatever reason, your life is not what it ought to be. And because of that, you want to be in a right relationship with God. And you would like us to pray with you and for you so that God would forgive your sins. Look, we'd be happy to do that for you tonight as we stand and sing.